0: I think I forgot to say good morning to you all. Good morning. If we have not had the joy to meet yet, I am uh, Andrew, and it is a great day to come to the Lord and His Word. If you brought your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open to the Gospel of Matthew. If you didn't, that's okay. Uh, We'll have the words on the screen here, but we want to encourage you to bring a Bible with you. Even if it's on your phone, grab that YouVersion app. It's a great uh, tool for us. Now, uh, I, I must confess to you, I was really uh, coming into uh, God's word this morning of trying to think of how we can incorporate something uh, practical and fun with this. But then I got in here this morning and I saw all of Tyler's uh, Thanksgiving jokes from this last Wednesday, and said, "You know what? I'm not even going to try." Uh, and, and if you want a list of those jokes, it's great. I was going to have Tyler walk across some cases of water or something. We're not going to do anything like that because we're going to talk about the good Lord this morning uh, in yet another storm with the disciples. If uh, you were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the disciples and Jesus and the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And we're going to find ourselves almost in the same position again this morning. And so I want to... Uh, Uh, remind us this morning that this isn't just a a moment that happens for Jesus and the disciples that is for us to just read and say oh that's nice Jesus is using this moment as a historical scriptural proof for the disciples and also for us to listen to and to hear And so before we go to the word I want to invite us uh, to pray can we do that Heavenly Father we thank you in our praise, and in our prayers, and now, Lord, as we come to your word, that you would open our hearts and our minds, and all the ways that you have been with us this past week, or, Lord, even right now in this moment, that you would cling to us, that, Lord, we would be open to cling to you as our Lord, as our Savior. We thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are coming to a scripture this morning in Mark chapter six, and this is going to be uh, verses starting in verse forty-five. Now, the context of where we're uh, coming from here, if you remember, Jesus uh, talked about the parable of the sower and the seed, and then calms the storm, and then Jesus uh, restores a demon-possessed man, and then he heals Jairus' daughter, and then he also here heals a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years and now chapter 6 we move into there is a moment where Jesus explains that there is no honor for a prophet who comes to his hometown so Jesus in his hometown there was such disbelief such uh such rudeness of oh that's isn't isn't he the carpenter's son so there's this amount of disbelief that he was barely able to do anything there but then he sends his disciples out And has them heal and preach and cast out demons. And then they come back and tell Jesus all they've done. And then John the Baptist is beheaded. And then we get to this moment where Jesus, with his disciples, feed 5,000 people. But it doesn't end there. It ends with Jesus and the disciples on the water again. So here we go. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before the dawn, he went out to them, Walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. The hearts were hardened. Now we're going to bring it home here this morning and talk about how it ends there because it seems kind of strange. They are in a storm and then all of a sudden talking about the hearts being hardened about these lows. But it's important for us to understand what is taking place here with the disciples, once again on the Sea of Galilee, comes to us in a context that Jesus is trying to help the disciples end the real life everyday practical moment with him that this has already happened and so i want to bring us up to speed here those of you that are in our wednesday night bible basics class this is going to sound very familiar for you we uh Talk about Moses and Wednesday nights, and uh, that's where our focus has really been, and we've come out of Moses. But there is a moment in Exodus where Moses meets God on Mount Sinai, and God says, "Hey, I want you to go and and free the Israelites from the Egyptians." Moses comes up with all these different excuses. As the story goes on, Moses and his brother Aaron go to talk to the Pharaoh in Egypt and all these uh, plagues happen and God hardens the Pharaoh's heart and the Pharaoh's heart is hardened and then we get to the moment where the last plague takes place and the Spirit of God goes over and kills all those firstborn children and then the Israelites are led out of Egypt and they come through the Red Sea or the Reed Sea and they... Journey back to Mount Sinai. So, from in Exodus, from the moment that they left Egypt and crossing the Red Sea back to Mount Sinai, where Moses first heard the message was about three months, and they get to Mount Sinai, Moses goes up there, and if you remember with me, Moses has these stone tablets, which God inscribes the Ten Commandments on it, but while Moses is on top of the mountain, he comes down, and the Israelites have already been frustrated and patient, so they gathered all their jewelry together, and formed this golden calf, and they're worshiping the calf, so Moses comes down, throws the, the tablets down in frustration, and then God says, hey, carve two more stones, come back up the mountain, Something happens that second time that Moses goes back up that mountain. And this is in Exodus chapter 34. Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went, out Mount, went up Mount Sinai early in the morning. As the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the, the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him. And proclaimed his name, the Lord. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Now we flip back over to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Mark. And as we remember two weeks ago in that storm Jesus was in with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, the water was rushing over the edges of the boat and the disciples feared for their lives. As they wake Jesus up, we hear the words of Jesus, quiet, be still. But notice in this storm, Jesus is speaking to the storm, quiet, be still. He calms the storm that they're in, the outside circumstances and situation. And in that moment, the disciples wonder who is this that can talk to the wind and the waves, and they listen to him. In that section, we see the fear and and the lack of faith of the disciples. Jesus essentially is saying, I'm with you, do not fear. But as they leave that region and they cast out the demon and heal Jairus' daughter and the woman who's bled for 12 years and Jesus comes to his hometown where he can't do a lot of work and then Jesus sending out the disciples to share the good news, John the Baptist dies and then Jesus feeds the 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, leaving 12 baskets full left over. Jesus is exhausted from the teaching. He sent his disciples back to the Sea of Galilee to go ahead of him while he went to pray. I want to read our scripture again this morning, and I'm going to slow us down a little bit because there are a few things that we need to look at. So back to Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed. Notice that first moment, Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves, the outside circumstance to show and bring in belief for the disciples. Now, as the disciples are struggling against the wind, Jesus isn't talking to the wind. He's talking to the disciples. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. As we hear of Jesus praying on the mountainside and the disciples going on ahead of him, Jesus, looking off into the sea, can see what they're facing. Imagine with me the disciples rowing against the wind and the waves. They wouldn't be getting very far. So as Jesus heads in that direction and he steps on that water and he walks towards the disciples, he deliberately walks close enough for them to see a figure on the water but not far enough for them not to see. Terrified, they yell out, thinking that Jesus is a ghost, but Jesus speaks to them, reminding them once again who he is. He is God. He is God incarnate. God in the flesh, not a ghost. But it is in Jesus' words spoken to the disciples that helps us understand this connection with God and Moses and Exodus. Listen to this. The Greek reveals this. We read, take courage. And then it, the word it in the Greek is emi, which means I am, or the word exist, or together, I exist. So it reads like this Take courage. I am I. This Greek sentence in the wooden says, All for him saw and were troubled, and immediately he spoke with them and says to them, Take courage, I am not fear. It translates to, I am I, I exist. Or in the same way that we read in Exodus, I am the Lord, the Lord. As we read in Psalm 90, from everlasting to everlasting, there is one. The great I am is before the disciples. The great I am is walking upon the water. Just as Jesus reveals to himself and two, it reveals to the disciples on the water in reference to how he revealed himself to Moses, all the way to the same way that he revealed himself when he fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish. Now, why does Mark 6 end with, oh, they feared and didn't have faith and their hearts were hardened because of the loaves? This is a compilation of stories. Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the fish and the bread is also a mere image of how God fed the Israelites in the wilderness with manna and quail. God provides for his people, and yet the disciples couldn't see in that time that Jesus was God. The storm before them, they feared for their lives. Jesus said, quiet, be still to that storm. This storm they're in now, they're terrified thinking that there was a ghost with them. But they didn't understand or look at their history, their ancestors, and how God moved and worked with them and apply it to their present day and age. That God, Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnate Son of God, the great I Am, the good shepherd, they couldn't see Him yet in His fullness of who He is. Now, there are variables to understand this and, and why they had this perception. First, that there was an implication that Jesus was going to become the next king of Israel that would overthrow the Roman structure. And then there was also a bunch of questions and interpretations of who Jesus was. Is this Elijah? Is this a different prophet? He's just a carpenter boy. But all along, Jesus is trying to teach us and show us and reveal to us that he is in fact the Messiah, the Savior. And there are a lot of ways that this still happens today, both in and outside of the church. Folks folks talking about Jesus as a good moral teacher, a divine spark to awaken us to our divinity, a messenger, nothing more than the Gandhi of his day, But these interpretations come from talk about the Word, but not actual study and reading of God's Word. And I stand here with you today in God's house that in many ways, it seems like we together are rowing against the storm. Each one of us has an oar. Each one of us has a job and a responsibility to put that oar in the water may we be reminded this morning the final act of what Jesus does as he gets in the boat with them. God's with us spend God's message all the way from the beginning in Genesis and all the way through but there's one simple response from us Believe. Believe that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. Believe Jesus by the work that he does. For those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, he has promised to be with you through every storm, every moment of life. Even in the face of the wind's challenge, even if the waves of life oppress or keep us from moving forward. Jesus is in our boat. Do you believe it? The great I am, right here, in the thick of it all, with you and with me. I do. I do believe that God is present with us. And this morning we come to a moment to be able to remember, to celebrate, and to participate in that. The night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and lifted it and gave thanks to his Father in heaven, and he broke it and said, take And eat of this, for this is my body which is broken for you. And in the same way, Jesus lifted a cup and said, Take and drink from this, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so here this morning is an open table. All are welcome to come and receive from our Lord and Savior the sacrifice that he has given, the sacrifice that he has taken on our behalf. Give us a few moments to prepare, uh, and I would like to invite our communion helpers forward.